Welcome back to another episode of Bless the She That Believe. This is season one, episode 15. I entitled this Snakes in the Grass, and we're going to get into this. So first, we're going to have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now for keeping us today. Thank you, Father God, for keeping us this week. Father God, I just pray right now that you reveal every snake in the grass so we can step with precision so that we can walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise father god give us your wisdom in each in every step that we take lord your word says that there is a way that seems right unto a man but the end thereof is death father god let us walk in the path that you have set before us and not our own path father god thank you for making every trick and trap and plot of the enemy known and visible. And we thank you right now that it is canceled in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for watching over us and having your angels encamped around us, Father God, giving them charge over us, Father. Lest we dash our foot against the stone, they bear us up. Father, I would just thank you right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I entitled this Snakes in the Grass because... um, I came across like an Instagram post that I made last year, a little over a year ago. I was on my way to chaperone prom and I, I have a pit bull. I've already told y'all Stacey Ann and, um, I'd be, you know, a little quieter when I say her name, cause she's going to come to the door looking for me. (laughs) But I, you know, I was taking her out because she loves being outside. And, uh, you know, I didn't know when I got a dog how inconvenient I was going to make my life. You know, it's inconvenient to care for people other than yourself. You know, that that's going to be another, that'll be another lesson for another day. But it's very inconvenient, okay? Um, it's like, I have to stop what I'm doing and actually do what you need me to do because I have to do this. I don't have to, but I choose to do this. I chose to go and adopt you from the pound and take care of you. And I chose to love you. I choose to love you every day, you know? And to be honest, the fact that I don't have any children, this was like a um, culture shock for me, actually having to take care of somebody other than myself. Um, I had just bought a home the year before I got her. This is just a side note before we get started. I bought a home before I got her. And my home was clean all the time. Like everything was in its place. It always smelled like bleach because I was always in here clean. Like I love to clean. I love to clean because that is a stress reliever. And I'm, y'all know I'm a teacher. I love to get in there and deep clean and stuff, moving the furniture out of the way, just dusting my house was always pristine, right? <sighs> then I get this dog and his dog hair. And I feel like I'm never clean. I feel like my house is never clean. <laughs> Pit, I don't know if you have a pit bull, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pit bull hair get it, it just it's like it's impenetrable. Like, how I have washed this like 15 times, the color is now faded, it's still stuck in there. My truck, my gosh, I have a seat cover, and somehow, some way, the hair it goes, it bypasses the seat cover, and it's like stuck in what in the world is happening? Like, I I have just submitted and given her my SUV. Like, it's hers. 
I'm going to have to go get another vehicle that she will never ride in because the SUV is hers, period. Like, that's her That's her truck. I just chauffeur her, okay? And that's that's how we live around here. Whatever she wants, she gets it because that, that, it's her world. I'm just living here, you know, bypassing time, I guess, you know, just to take care of her and cater to her. I've never in my life thought I would be that person. I get, I get a dog. They're going to do no. No, 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 no. When you when you agree to get a, a pet, a dog, cat, whatever, especially, listen, you, they own you. <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I just stop and remember what it was like before I got hurt. And I'm like, man, I miss those days. Just come home and it's just me, you know? But, hey. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love my baby. That is my baby, and she knows it. She She's, like, really big. She's plus-size fluffy, okay? And um, if I get on the couch, she lays on me like she's five pounds, but she's really not. And I'm like, I can't breathe, baby. you going to have to scoop. You should see us both plus-size girls trying to sleep on one couch. It is the funniest thing you will ever see. But anyway. <laughs> so, I... um. Yeah, she loves being outside. She has to sniff every blade of grass that sprouts from the earth, you know, like like it's different from the day before or different from five minutes ago. So she was out there sniffing. I just took her around to the back of her house to let her, um, you know, try and trick her thinking we're going walking, but it's like not really a walk. I mismanaged my time, so I was running late um, to prom. And so I took her to the back and... um. I didn't see the snake at first when she walked by it, but it, it wasn't until she walked by the second time that I noticed it. And I had, first of all, I just want to say this. I've never seen a snake up close except for when they're in a glass container in the pet store. I don't fool with snakes. You know, snake tamer is not my calling. Um, they don't interest me. I'm not interested in them. We have no parts of it okay that's mm -mm, snakes are not my portion so she walked by it the second time and like i said i noticed it and i never saw the head or the tail because it was buried underground like both the head the front and the back end were in the ground the only part that was exposed was the body and um so i didn't know which part was which and i'm like maybe i can kill it but then i said ah if i go right in the middle of that thing what if the head spouts up and latches onto my arm or something like you know what i'm saying like i had on a prom dress y'all well not a prom dress but I, I was dressed up and i'm sitting here like i ain't got no like heavy duty boots on what if that thing latch onto my foot it it was just like you know let's get out of here so we we left you know and um i got close enough so i could take a picture of it but um not too close I just wanted to get a picture of the pattern so I could ask people at prom. Because, you know, science teachers be knowing all the animals. So, I asked the science teachers when I got there. Oh, that snake is not going to bother you. Let me tell you something. The only good snake is a dead snake. I know it's some environmentalists out here. Listen, I love the ladybugs, the roly-polies. I love the, the bees as long as they don't sting me. I love those particular things. That's it. You can keep everything else. I know it helps the environment and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. I'm sorry. Y'all, I don't fool with no snake. 
if I had a husband, you know, I wouldn't be as scared. I'm like, oh, babe, go get that snake out there. You got it. You Tarzan. Ah, king of the jungle. Yeah, you can do it. No, nah, I ain't got one of them. So it's just me. I ain't, I ain't fooling with it. So some snake away sure did go out there along with mothballs. And I need to go get me some lime because I need to put some lime under. <laughs> I'm not fooling with no snakes. No. Mm-mm. I don't do that. So... I, I figured out, you know, I found out it was like a non-poisonous snake, which is good. But, I mean, it's funny to think it was literally a snake in the grass. Like, if you never heard the term snake in the grass, where's my tea? <laughs> if you never heard the term snake in the grass, snake in the grass means, like I told you, I walked up on the snake and didn't even know it was there. And that's what a snake in the grass is. Someone who is close to you, an enemy in your territory that can sneak up on you and you won't even know. That's the snake in the grass. So your enemies can be in your backyard or very close to you and you won't know them well enough to see their pattern. Sometimes people can be so close to you that you don't see who they really are until they bite you. In 1 John 2 and 19, it says, they left us, but they were never really with us. If they had been, they would have stuck stuck it out with us, loyal to the end. And leaving, they showed their true color, showed they never did belong. That's speaking of those who say they are believers in Christ. And they come to church. They show up to all the events at church, you know, when y'all have a concert or when y'all are doing... Um, t- whatever it is that you do at church vacation bible school all of this stuff they show up to all of those things they may even help out with um in the choir they may sing in the choir whatever but when times get tough and the tough get going they bounce they don't, mm-mm. nah i don't want this i don't want no pots of this you know and it's like wait a minute you've been in our church for like 15 20 years you weren't saved they, they could play their role. They could play their role. It's, it's some people that you... It's some people who are playing as your friend. The ones that you call bruh, sis. Ooh. Shakespeare and his play, As You Like It. Don't give me the line about the act in the scene. I think it was act two, scene one. He says, all the world is a stage and all the people merely characters. They have their entrances and their exits. Or all the players merely, yeah, characters. They have their entrances and exits. And the world is a place of performance. And when I say that, there are some people who are just playing around like they're not really who they're supposed to be they're not or they're not who they're they're um projecting themselves as they're portraying themselves as excuse me they're portraying themselves as your really close friend but who they really are is somebody evil someone who is um plotting on your downfall as they say they're not really who they say they are they're they're playing and just like Shakespeare said, they have their interests and their exits. Depending on what stage of life you are in, you've known and know some people came in at a certain time and they left at a different time. Like they left when you got ready to get a promotion. They were gone. 
Um, and some people came into your life when you were at your lowest. And it seemed like when you were getting elevated, they started having problems. Y'all started having friction. And it was time for them to go. Even when it comes to your job, you know, um, when you, when you started your job, everything was going right. Everything. You had no complaints. You loved your job. You was getting there like an hour before time, before it was time to clock in to get work done. All of this great stuff. And slowly but surely, you started not liking your job. You started showing up late and everything. And it's like, oh, I don't want to go to this job anymore. But it came right before your disdain for your job came right before you ended up getting a new job or you got promoted to something or you started having friction on your job that you love so much. You started butting heads with people and everything. And that came before the promotion. Everything has a time and a place. And um, I don't know if you've seen this movie called, I can't even think of the movie now. Um, it had Ashton Kutcher and Katherine Heigl, um, The Killers. That's the name of the movie. And they, Ashton Kutcher was a um, spy in the movie. And he married Katherine Heigl. And um, I think I was saying Heigl. It's Katherine Heigl. He married her and he was a spy. She didn't know it. But he retired so he could marry her and have a normal life. Um, however, somebody from his spy life reached out to him years after he had gotten married and settled and wanted him to do a, um, a job. And he went to meet up with the guy. Unbeknownst to him, Katherine Heigl, I know I'm just, this is like a spoiler alert, okay, if you ever go see the movie. It's still a good movie. Go watch it. It's funny. Katherine um, Heigl's father was also a spy. Nobody knew it, okay? So he dispatched what they call sleepers. And sleepers are spies that take hits. They they do the job. You know, they kill people. He dispatched them at a certain time because he thought his daughter's husband was going back into spy world and he didn't want nothing to happen to her. So he figured he'd take them out before, you know, his daughter was affected by everything. Um, that's what Satan does. At a certain point in your life, he gets wind of what your what the Lord has in store for you for you know he, he gets wind of that and he dispatches these little demons these minions of his to trip you up a lot of times it happens when you're younger it might be the wrong people that you're with um your mom told you don't if you're if you're a teenager or something listen to your mom listen to your parents listen to the people in your family about your friends they know they first of all Listen to them because they've already been where you are. You're basically a replication of your parents. You're living their life again, just in a different time period, just to let you know. If generational curses and stuff hadn't been broken, you're living their life again, just to let you know. Now, everybody's a little different. You're not gonna do it the same way, but you have characteristics of their life that you're living in. So you might wanna watch that and listen to what they're saying about your life. Um, that's just a little side note, but anyway, Satan dispatches these little minions and we know that we're spirits living a human existence. So these spirits kind of attach themselves, not kind of, they, they will attach themselves to you. And so that's why it seems like you're dating the same person, but in a different body because it's a spirit, it's a familiar spirit. So it's something in you that's attracting it. Your spirit is speaking to that to that spirit. Hey, follow me, just jump into the, you know. So you're attracting that. Anyway, at a certain point in your life, he dispatches these demons 
to come into your life. And you'll have these demons who are dressed up as people because they are. They're, they just hop, you know, and I watch a lot of movies. I'm a movie head, okay? So it's this movie called Fallen with Denzel Washington. If you watch it, it's an old movie, okay? If you watch it, this is the thing that's happening, okay? Somebody died that he um, put in jail. He was electrocuted or whatever on death row. His spirit started jumping in people. It is the same thing, okay? Hollywood ain't crazy. Hollywood know <laughs> Hollywood knows, okay? The Bible is real because Hollywood is like, how, do, how would y'all know that stuff? Because, yeah, they know, okay? And anyway, you'll see it in the movie. The man will sing a certain song. Um, Time is on my side. Yes, it is. That's what he was saying. And so one person will start singing it. And then the camera shoot over to somebody else in a different part of the room. And they would be singing it. And then they shoot over to something. And then they would be singing the song. Like, that's how it kind of much goes. I mean, if you look in the Bible at Legion, um, that account of Legion and Jesus, when Jesus got off the ship, Legion ran right to him and said, uh-uh, we ain't got nothing to do with you. Why you here? Um... And Jesus said, what's your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. That's why, y'all, I know a lot of people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but I'm going to say it because it's, I mean, it's in the Bible. My name is Legion, for we are many. That's a pronoun, but it was one body. How are you using a pronoun when it's only one body? <sighs> How are you using a pronoun when it's only one body? For we are many. Mm. And I'm going to let that simmer. Okay? Because when you introduce yourself, this is just the English rule. You don't say him or her. You actually say the singular like noun person like I am so-and-so. I am so-and-so. You can't use pronouns talking about someone when they're in the room. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can use her, you can use he, but the, like, it's just, it goes against English. So, I mean, I'm just saying, it goes against English and it's in the Bible. My name is Legion for we are many. Legion means 1,000. So, there's 1,000 demons in that one body. So, that's why when it was speaking, said We. Because there was more than one demon in their body. We can also look at the account in the Bible where Jesus said um, when the house is clean, talking about a person's heart, um, that spiritual heart, when they get free of a demon, the demon goes out into a desert place and like, nah, I done been out here a long time. I want to go back home. Talking about to that body, to that heart, where it came from. And when he get back, he found out it's clean and swept. So he brings seven more that are more powerful than him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like when you go back into your sin, this is not even, y'all already know what I'm about to say. It's not in my notes. So when you go back into your sin after you've been delivered from it, and the reason why the house is clean and swell is because Jesus came in and did that, but you also have to invite Jesus in to stay there. Because see, when Jesus takes up residence in your heart, when he takes up residence, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence, the only way it's going to leave is when you start going back into sin all the time. Like when you just go live in sin. Holy Spirit is not staying there. Okay. Yes, you're going to mess up. You're going to, you know, you're going to fall. But you get back up and you keep walking it out. I've fallen. 
You know, I'm not perfect. But now in my walk, when I mess up, I run to the cross. I cling to the cross. And I'm like, okay, I got to get this right. I got to get this right and I got to get my focus. And I know exactly what tripped me up. I caught myself the other day. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why am I listening to all this R&B music? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. No. Uh-uh. Because I already know what's getting ready to happen. We're not going to be listening to this R&B. We're going we're gonna to take a sabbatical of R&B music. <laughs> yes, we are. Not doing this. No. I had to talk to myself. Because the R&B music I was listening to, which was from college and stuff like that. Because... You know, Sunday, I worked out. I had like a little mini dance party with my, you know, by myself in my house. My dog was sick of me. She was like, cut it off so we can go to sleep. But I had so much fun. And sometimes you do need to just have fun. You got to let your hair down sometimes. You can't, you, you, you're going to go crazy trying to be perfect. You can't be perfect. So I was in here dancing, worked out. Because I, but listen, broke into a hard sweat just dancing, okay? By myself in my home. Love it. I love it here, okay? But I noticed, I kept listening to R&B. It was like yesterday, I said, hold up. The party ended Sunday night. Like, what, what are we doing? Uh-uh, turn it off. No, we're not. No, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. And I had to sit with myself and figure out, okay, so what is going on that you feel like you need to go and listen to this stuff? Oh, you in your feelings? Okay, yeah, we're going to get out the feelings. We're going to put some word there because you mm, get into this word. Get into it. You know what I'm saying? You got to check yourself because there are any, the enemy dispatches stuff in the grass. Nothing wrong with music, but music that does not glorify God is not glorifying God. I can't feel up on that. I can't because once I fill up with that, because a lot of people think it's just the music. No, it's, or they think it's, no, they think it's the words that's bad. No, it's the music. That music does not glorify God whatsoever. And you know exactly what song, if it's played, you know exactly how you're going to act. Because if I say cash money taking over for the 99 and 2000, some of y'all got ready to go into stance. Y'all already know what I'm talking about. See, see, you see. So it's not just the words. It's the music itself that influences you. And I had to break out of that because I am a music head. I love music. I love music. So I have to be extra careful with music. I have to play worship music all the time. I have to play worship music all the time. Even sometimes I have to back off of the Christian rap because it sounds too much like the world. And then it's kind of like in my head, well, if I'm listening to that, I might as well go ahead and listen to some Jigga. You know what I'm saying? Like I might as well go ahead and listen to some, um, whatchamacallit, some Drake, whatever. Because the beats are almost too similar. So it's kind of like, what's the difference here? If you're not giving me a difference in the music, I'm going to go back and listen to the secular. Because if I'm going to listen to stuff I know. You know what I'm saying? So be careful. Because just like the snake I walked up on, that's exactly how the enemy will get you. Oh, okay, she loves music. Let me go ahead and... Let me, let me get her to listen to some of this old school stuff. Let me get her to listen to some of this. And then you, and see then, because everybody has that one song, when it's played, it take you back to somewhere in your life where you know you weren't doing, you weren't doing something right. You know you weren't. I have a couple of songs. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Let me cut that off. I'm going to need to skip that track. Yeah. And you know what? If you can identify that, 
That is awesome. Because guess what? Me, I couldn't identify that for a long time. I'm like, dog, why every time I play this song? Huh. I don't know. Anyway, if you can identify that, that is awesome. That's the snake in the grass that you can identify. Boom. So because you know that about yourself, because you are aware of yourself in that area, because see, I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself. I don't. <laughs> if I had listened to R&B music for a whole nother week, oh, it would have been problems here. It would have been problems, okay? I had to shut that mess down. Holy Spirit like, hey, hey, I'm getting ready to leave. You want me to leave? No. No, I'm cut it off. <laughs> Can't live. Holy Spirit cannot stay where there's sin. That music is full of sin. Think about what people are doing when they're producing music and all of that stuff. We're not going to all of that, but you get the picture. You've seen enough TV shows and stuff like that. You know. You know. So anyway, that's the snake in the grass for me. I got to be careful. I have to be very careful, especially because I am the sound and tape person at my church. Like I handle the music. I have to be careful with what I allow myself to listen to. It's been like, nah. <laughs> I'm about to go on a fast now, like, cause I got to detox. I get all that out. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I don't want nothing lingering. I don't want nothing hovering. Nothing. Everything's no. It's got to be pure. It's got to be pure, cause that affects the move of the spirit in church. Not saying that I affect the move. No, but because I handle the worship music and the praise music and things of that nature, I have to make sure that I stay sober. I stay vigilant. That's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I have to, more so than others. Because I am basically, if I mess up back there, that affects the hearts and minds of everyone in the congregation. If I am not right, it affects the hearts and minds of everyone in the congregation. The music, the sound ministry is a reflection of the pulpit ministry. It's like, boom. So they have to work hand in hand. I can't, I can't dabble in stuff. I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like I can't afford to do that stuff. So anyway, um, oh, if you heard that, that was my TV. <laughs> Turned it off. So anyway, um, like I said, that's the snake in the grass. And we also see like back in that verse in first john 2 and 19 it says they would have stuck it out with us loyal to the end and leaving they show their true colors show they never did belong you know that you a person's true nature shows when they leave the real person shows up when they are on their way out of your life that's how you know who they really are because if they were the same person, if who they showed you was who they truly are, and it was their time to leave, it would end peaceably. For the most part, it would end peaceably. But <clears throat> when they are covering up who they truly are, their real self is going to show up, show up when it's time for them to leave. You ever seen people get escorted out of somewhere? <laughs> You ever seen people get escorted out? Like they might have got escorted out of a restaurant, out of a movie theater. That's who they really are. <laughs> However they leave is who they really are. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just remember that. 
Uh, also, you'll know them by their fruit. Matthew 7 and 16. Oh, man. I don't want to stay here too long, Lord. But uh, an orange tree cannot grow apples. Likewise, an apple tree cannot grow oranges. If you are an orange tree, what should be coming from you? Oranges. Oranges should be coming from you, not apples. Also, along those lines, your fruit should be ripe. It shouldn't be rotten. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Well, um, oh, I can't think of that man's name. Not the one with Johnny Depp, the original one. The original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, Gene Wilder. Is it Gene Wilder? I think it is. Um, when they were in that scene with Veruca. <laughs> Give it to me now. I want today. I want tomorrow. Okay, sorry, y'all. I Listen, that movie. I don't know how many times I watched that movie when I was a kid, but I love that movie. <laughs> um, Veruca. Spoiled brat, okay? Willie Walker took him to the, the egg laying room with the geese. The geese were laying golden eggs. This is Willie Walker's house. His this is his chocolate factory. Don't ask me why the geese were laying golden eggs, okay? Just just go with it. It was a movie. Now, Veruca tells her daddy, I want a goose. Get me a goose now. I want my goose now. And he's like, Okay, okay, we'll get you one. We'll get no, I want it now, daddy. So He's like, okay, Mr. Wonka, how much are you getting? He's like, they're not for sale. <laughs> they're not for sale. She gets mad. She has a whole tantrum in this workshop. Like, she's pulling the plastic wrapper off of stuff. Like, she's throwing a fit, singing her little song. I want it now. And Mr. Wonka has already explained what happens to the eggs when the goose when the geese land because the geese are laying above the scale and so when they lay an egg the egg rolls down to the scale and the scale determines whether the egg is good or whether it's bad if it's a good egg the oompa loompas his little workers they go up and get the egg and they polish it off and they you know wrap it up and send get it to the factory or whatever to the other part of the factory where they can distribute it to the world or whatever okay if it's a bad egg, it goes to the furnace. It just drops down into the furnace. This little girl, when she's coming to the, the end of her song, she stands up on the scale. You know what happened to her? She fell straight down to the furnace. Now, she didn't get burned because it wasn't a day to burn the stuff. So she was just, in the, she was just stuck in the chute. But the thing said she was rotten. How many of you have rotten fruit on your tree? Because see, also in the Bible, it, the Lord says the axe is laid at the, the the root of the tree and he'll chop it down. I got to find that scripture because that thing, he, he did something to me. The axe is at the root. And, um... Give me a couple of minutes. Because, like I told you, these this is not in my notes right now. We're just, we're going with where the Holy Spirit is telling me to go. And, um, 
Let's see. Hmm. Ah, Luke chapter 3 and verse 9. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. It also says that in Matthew 3 and 10, the irony that Luke is 3 and 9 and Matthew is 3 and 10. In Matthew 3 and 10, it says, and now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. If it's said more than once in the Bible, it's really important that you know that. The axe is laid unto the root of the trees, plural, not tree, but trees, because we're all trees. We're supposed to be producing fruit. And I'm telling you how, how I know we're all trees. Because in... I got it over here. So it should be faster. Do, 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 do. Don't ask me why I just did that. That just came out. Let's see. Psalm 1 and 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Hmm. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. So we're trees. Okay. Um, have you done a fruit inspection of the people around you? Because I guarantee you, when you do a fruit inspection, you're going to see some rotten fruit somewhere and do a fruit inspection of yourself. Have somebody that is close to you that you can trust do a fruit inspection of yourself. Hey, what do I need to be praying about and working on in, in the Lord? Because I know I ain't right. How have I been treating you? That's a very hard conversation to have with people because we don't want to hear bad stuff about ourselves. We want everybody to boost us up and everything. But see, that's what self-esteem is for. You esteem yourself. People are going to critique you and criticize you. However, however, the people who love you, the people who are sent by God, their criticism is not going to come with condemnation. See, the devil condemns. Okay. That's his job. He condemns. What the Lord does is he points out, hey, um, that right there, yeah, that's, but it's, we're going to work on that though. Cause I'm going to put you through the wilderness. I'm going to put you in this test right here. It's going to, you're going to work it right. It's going to work right out of you. <laughs> Cause see, the Lord is not going to let you fail a test. He's not going to let you fail a test. You're going to take that test until you pass it. <laughs> Ask me how I know. All right. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. Do a fruit inspection. Okay. Do a fruit inspection. You're going to see some rotten fruit somewhere. I had to do that myself. I actually had my, um, I didn't ask her to do that. She just took it upon herself to do it. But I know that's because the Lord led her to do that. Um, that's why you need discernment. That's why you need discernment because you can have people around you who say stuff, but like my mentor, what she said to me was to benefit me so I could be aware so I could pray about it and work through that in Christ some people will say stuff to you 
in a joking manner, but it's not a joke. They really don't like you. They'll text you and put LOL in a smiley face after it, but that's not really what it is. That's really how they feel about you. And um, yeah, you need to take heed to that. And my mentor pointed some things out to me um, that I was doing. And she was like, you got to stop doing it. That's a cycle. You need to break that. And let me tell you something. It's like, I didn't see it until she said it. My mom had been telling me that the whole time. I actually had, had it written in my book. <laughs> I had it written in my book, but it's like, I really didn't see it and understand what I was doing until she said it. It's like, sometimes somebody could tell you something like five years ago. And it's not until that fifth year you go, oh my gosh, I see it. That's how it was. And when she said it, I said, you know what? I know exactly what you're talking about. And so from there, I was like, okay, let me go back and look at this. Let me go back through the history of my life with people and see how this was. And I'm like, yep, I see it. I see the pattern. I see the pattern. Okay, we got to break that thing in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, just, and I, it's like, you go, man, I thought I was doing better in the Lord. And I still got problems. It's like I patched up this hole over here and the water coming out over there. And when I patch it up over there, it's coming out from back there. You know, like that's because this is a process. We're going to continue to be like our, we have, our flesh is like always going to need help. And I, like, we're not perfect. We're, we're living in a dying world. We were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. Okay. And you know, Adam and Eve, <laughs> We're not going to talk about them. Um, we're just going to leave them where they are. Okay. But, you know. Mm. So. <laughs> oh, Father Adam, Mother Eve. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, we're, we're always going to need work. That's why we have Jesus. For those of us who believe. We have Jesus. And I know I pray. I'm like, Lord, show me myself in your word. As soon as I get to where I'm going in the Bible. Okay, I'm done. You ain't have to yell that loud, Lord. I'm just going to sit on that one that one scripture, that one verse. I'm going to sit on that because clearly you was talking about me. You know, he's a mirror. He holds the mirror up to us so we can see ourselves. Anyway, back to my notes. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Who wrote that? For no money because I don't have any to give you. That was King David before he was king. David wrote that. In Psalm 23 and verse 5, the beginning part of verse 5, he wrote, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. And it wasn't until last year when I was studying the scripture, the Lord showed me. Because I, I said, wait a minute. How do you get your enemies at a table with you? Your enemies, your family, the people who know you? Mm-hmm. Oh, those are prominent snakes in the grass. I'm not saying every family member in your... No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the people who know you the best are the... Listen, they're prime, they're prime targets to be used as your enemy. It's preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. They're sitting at the table sometimes because... And how do they get to the table? You invited them. That's how they're at the table with you because you invited them. It's easy to invite the people that you love. It could be your enemies. And and then in Matthew 10 and 36, 
and a man's foes shall be of his shall be they of his own household. Like I said, I'm not saying everybody in your family is your enemy. However, they can be because they know you so well. The best target is the one you studied. Think about stalkers and people like that. They studied their victims. They do. They follow them. They know where they're, where they're going to eat. They know what they do on a daily basis. They know every little thing about them. So that makes them an easy target. Your family and your friends, those closest to you, you are an easy target for them to attack. Why do you think when people get, when people are in relationships, they can hit those buttons so easily because they know what triggers you? I tell my students all the time, um, especially my students who, who get mad fast when people are irritating them in class. I'm like, if you stop giving them a target, they're going to stop shooting at you. You know, like not literally, but you know, they're going to start, they're going to stop, they're going to stop coming for you. If you would stop getting like the only reason they're doing that is to get a laugh out of you. They want to get a rise out of you. They want you to get mad because it's entertaining to them and they have nothing else to do with themselves. So stop giving them that. Some of them catch on to that. And some of them, they just keep going through the cycle. And I'm like, okay, well, both of y'all going to get it right up. Just, <laughs> stop. Just stop. You know, but think about it. If you're in a relationship, especially, isn't it so easy to bring up the flaw that the other per that the person you're in a relationship with has? that mess up they they did that they apologized for that y'all both agreed y'all were leaving the past isn't it so easy to just bring that up yeah because you know that's a button for them you know that's a but yeah so you then become the enemy don't think you're exempt from being the enemy no you you are probably sitting at somebody's table too because you are definitely a prime target to be an enemy just just saying so the word of God tells us plenty of times to watch the people we associate with. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Um, I mean, it's just, it's so many scriptures. It's so many scriptures. Study the word, study the word. Um, it's, it's just, a, it's a lot in the Bible. I mean, if you go back through these accounts, think about Psalm 23. Thou prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. David it's talking about his brother and Saul and anybody else because the Lord allowed Samuel to anoint David as king while Solomon, not Solomon, while Saul was still on the throne. David was probably like around 15 years old then. So he did it in front of his brothers. He did it in front of all his family because Samuel went there he asked Jesse to bring all his boys out. And Samuel's like, okay, it must be that one. The Lord's like, no, it must be that one. No, no, it's not that one either. Look, man looks on the outward appearance, but God, I judge the heart. That's what the Lord said. He's like, I judge the heart. You can't see their heart, Samuel. I will tell you which one it is, basically, okay? So that's why Samuel said, wait a minute. It's got to be another son here. And Jesse goes like, yeah, he out in the field with the sheep. He stinks. <laughs> so he brings him up and that's when the oil flowed it flowed on David he, it anointed Samuel anointed David's head with oil and that's the next verse he anoints my head with oil my cup runs over that's the next verse so 
Actually, he anoints my head with oil is in the same verse as God prepares the table before me in the presence of my, en- my enemies. So then this is why I wanted to do this podcast after the last one, because I talked about getting in the valley and how that's where David fought Goliath. Well, before David fought Goliath, guess what David did? His dad sent him to take lunch to his brothers. See, that's a whole different story right there. And when I say story, I'm not saying like David's life was a story. No, I mean, like that's a different topic. When you are anointed to do something great, but you still got to do stuff that you consider beneath you. That's a whole different thing right there. Um, David takes lunch to his brothers and David is rallying the troop. David getting pumped like, uh-uh, we ain't gonna let this man talk about our God like that. No, he ain't gonna talk about our God. David getting his, his um, getting the, the soldiers pumped up, riled up, and his brother comes to him. He's like, what are you doing? Like, you, you causing trouble and stuff? And David's like, what did I do now? David literally says that. He's like, what, what did I do now for you to be talking to me like this? Um, Let's see. It says it Let me see. Okay. In verse 12 of 1 Samuel 17, it says, Now David was the son of that Ephraim of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. He had eight sons, and the men went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three elder sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and they said to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn, and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul, when they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And see, that's a whole different thing right there. When the Lord anoints you to do something, he's going to put somebody to take over your current position, whatever it is in the body. He's not going to have you abdicate something and it's just not filled. So that we hmm, <laughs> talk about that later. Like I'm, I'm talking about these people who just run up and say they're going to be, well, you ain't finished the last thing the Lord told you. Okay. So that's something different. Anyway, um, David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came upon the champion, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the arms of the Philistines. And I know this is running long, so give me a second. Let me jump down. David spake to the men that stood by him in verse 26, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? And, um, the people answer him after this manner, saying, so shall it be done to the man that kills him. Basically letting them know, if you kill him, this is what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Verse 28 is what I wanted to get to. 
And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and not the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And then it says, and he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. Oh my gosh. David, David's like, what did I do now? What did I do to you now? Why does it matter? <laughs> that was the funniest thing to me when I saw that. Because his big brother's like, you didn't go back and do what you're supposed to be doing. Da, 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 da. David, like, what now? But I kind of feel like. With David being the youngest, getting anointed to be king, don't you think they probably did something to his brothers? Like, hold up, shorty do what over us? Look at us. And look at him. Look back at us. And now look at him. And look back at us. You know, like, really? So I feel like there could have been some resentment there. He's the younger brother being anointed king. Isn't it supposed to go in order? See, that's a whole different lesson right now. And you're going to find these snakes in the grass. They're going to be the ones talking about how you back about, well, how did she get the promotion? How did he get to just move there? He didn't put in his time. He, she didn't do her, give her due diligence. Like they only been in the company for one, for one year. How they get promoted to do this? They only did that. Da, 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 da. Oh, but they smile on your face. The OJ's got a song. I think it was the OJ's or the temptations. Uh, smiling faces can lie. You know, when God has anointed you to do something, it doesn't matter what qualifications and the experience and all that stuff is. If he has anointed you to do something and he has called you out to do it at that time, then it's going to get done. Don't worry about what everybody else says. Don't worry about that. You do what God has called you to do. If you know the Lord has spoken that into your life, you do that. But those snakes in the grass, you have to watch out for because they're going to be, I'm telling you, they're going to be right there. When um, the Lord started separating me from people in 2019. And with every separation, a blessing was behind it. And the Lord told me last year, he said, predators eat things that are alive. They go after things that are alive. Let them think you're dead. They'll leave you alone. And I know that was the word of the Lord. Because we're supposed to offer ourselves as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So if I am dead in Christ, if I put everything, if I'm dead in Christ, why would they come looking for me? You can't see me because I'm in Christ. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You won't be able to see me. All you'll see is Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I had somebody, um, like two years ago, I guess I'm not gonna get real specific in case that person listening. Mm -hmm. But praise God. Anyway, this person got mad. I don't know what I don't know what the problem was, to be honest. I really don't. But this person started talking about 
somebody at this event that we were in that we were, we were attending and I'm like, hold up. That's my, you know, uh-uh. I didn't even know who the, who the person was that this person was talking about. I didn't know the person. I had just met the person. However, we're in the same sorority. So you're talking about somebody that you don't even know, but I'm not going to let you talk about the person because like, I don't know what's up with you. You know what I'm saying? And after I had to check this person, this person fell off. I mean, seriously, like fell off tremendously. However, when I look at my pattern, I was allowing behavior that shouldn't have been allowed. You know, like when you are gifted with the spirit of giving, you have to be very careful who is around you. And now that I'm aware, I can look back to everybody who the Lord separated me from and go, you know, I did everything there, but that was coming from a place of, I didn't want anybody doing anything for me because of stuff that went on in my past. And I said, you know what? I ain't never let nobody, I, I literally said that and I had to re repent when I became aware. But when you say stuff like, I'll never let anybody do this to me, or I'll never do this or not. You're speaking a word curse. You're making an oath to yourself. Be careful with your words. So I said that. But now, because I said that, because I didn't want people, you know, because what was happening was people that I cared about, that I loved, when they would do something for me and they get mad at something that they didn't think I should be doing, they threw it up in my face, what they did for me. <laughs> and to me, like I told my mom when I was telling her when, you know, like, look, the Lord's been showing me this, you know, and I explained to her. The way my mind was operating was I'd rather lose the tangible things like money or whatever versus hearing somebody say they did this for me or they did that for me. And, you know, like words hurt, words hurt. And that stuff sticks with you. Like I can remember verbatim what was said to me. You know what I'm saying? And to me. That's worse than losing money. That's worse than, because at least if somebody walks away from me and I spent money, you know, paying, which I'm not doing it because I'm, no, I love to, I love seeing people's expression when they get something from me, whether I make them brownies or whatever. Like I, I love cooking for people. Like I love cooking. I love, so when I noticed that and I explained it to my mom, she said, I understand why you do it then. Right. I say, yeah, but it's time out for it because yeah, I had a reason and it was a legit reason for doing it. But at some point in time, you got to realize if I continue to, that behavior, then I'm not allowing the Lord to deliver me from what I'm asking him to deliver me from. I'm staying right in the same place and I am still in bondage. See, I was trying so hard not to be in bondage, but I actually put myself in bondage because I didn't want anybody to be in control of me, but they were still in control of me. And I'm just now actually realizing that now I'm saying it like, wow, that's powerful. The very thing that you're trying to keep yourself out of bondage from, you don't want to be in bondage to people, but I still was in bondage to people. And the Lord had to release that from me. Like, no, you got to come out of that because I can't release you to the next part of your life if you're still in bondage to that stuff. So that's almost 20 years of being in bondage that I didn't even know I was in bondage because I'm thinking I'm in control of that. No, 
you still in bondage. So today, check your people. That check your people. If you are a giver, especially if you're a giver, here's the thing. What I had to go down the list and do is I don't even know how many things, but we're gonna count them off. Number one, you know if they are for you, if they don't condemn you, they give you constructive constructive criticism. That's number one. When when they give you constructive criticism, it's to it's to help you grow, it's to help elevate you, not to condemn you and make you feel like you're the scum of the earth. That's number one. Number two, when you do things for them, do they also do things for you? Not tit for tat. And when I say tit for tat, not okay, you bought me lunch today, I'm gonna buy you lunch tomorrow. Or you bought me lunch, I'm gonna buy you dinner. No, 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 no. When you genuinely do something for someone, it's from the goodness of your heart. And in time, they also have done or will do things for you too. It's just, that's a friendship, a true friendship. Like I had, for example, I had a friend, I love it like to life still. She's in um, the military. She's in the army. Shout out to Kimmy, my roommate. I remember one time and this always stuck with me. I had no money <laughs> in college. I had no money. I mean, I think a lot of college students identify with that. But this one time, Kimmy said, let's go to Waffle House. And I told her, I said, um, I ain't got no money. I didn't ask you if you had money. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I went, that's a friend. That's true friendship. And in time, I did stuff for her. Like when she was in boot camp, I sent her a box full of stuff. Some of the stuff she couldn't have because she was in boot camp, but I still sent it anyway. If Kimmy called and asked me to do something right now, Asked me could she um borrow twenty dollars? I don't know if I got it, Kimmy, but you know I was I would do whatever I got to do to get her that money because that's my girl. That's that's my roommate. I still call her my roommate. <laughs> 20, almost twenty years later, that's still my roommate. Okay, like I love Kimmy. Same thing with my other roommates. That's that is how a friendship works. And to be honest, I hadn't talked to Kimmy in since last year. But when we talk, it's like we just pick right up. That's a friendship. And everybody's friendship is different. But I know for me, I am the one who likes to pour into people. But I also, you also have to have people pour into you. And if you can't pour back into me, I can't consider you my friend. Because all you're doing is leeching, right? You're just letting me pour all into you. <laughs> your cup running over and my cup going dry and the Lord will restore but I mean because in Psalm 23 he said my cup runs over yeah he'll restore but why you pouring into a cup with holes in it that means you got to constantly pour yourself out for this, for these people no 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 Mm-mm. that's not that's not what the Lord intends that's not what the Lord intends you want people who also can pour into you so that's two and three one, two, and three. You want someone who can give you constructive criticism that's going to help push you forward. That, that's going to call the things of God out of you and make you look at yourself and seek God more. That's one. Two, they're going to not only, they're going to, it's going to be a reciprocated relationship. They're going to give and take. As you give and take from them, as you pour, they're going to receive. And as they pour into you, you're going to receive. That's one and two. Number three, 
I think this is the big one. They're not running back and forth with people telling your business that you tell them. I I think because why are you telling us? Why do other people in the town know about my business and I only told one person? And you know, one time, <laughs> one time I told a lie and I know it was wrong, but I told a lie just to make sure I was accurate with the person that I was talking to, and they and their lie got back to me. It was told wrong because you know you play the game telephone. You start off with something like I like vegetables, and by the time it get back to you after you play with like you put ten people in a room playing telephone, you start off with I like vegetables, and by the time you get back to the first person, it's like I like to eat raisins with hot sauce or something. Like what? How did that happen? Yeah, gossip. So. Yeah, it got back to me. So, um, I knew who to cut off. I don't have time for that. Just like I, and I hate to keep using this example because I know, I know this person is listening, but hey, God bless you. Um, the person that I was like, quote unquote, best friends with for like 24 years. Um, this person met other friends, you know, whatever, you know, best friends in third grade or whatever <laughs> my gosh you're my bestie but you become an adult you have other friends right person met some other people and toward the demise of the, the friendship <laughs> the crumpling of the friendship this person the friend that this person had made the friend called me and told me i was a horrible person and literally tried to curse me right i'm not gonna get into all the specifics because i remember that voice message it was oof but anyway the stuff that the person was speaking how would that person know that I had just met that person there's no way you could have known all that stuff about me so who was the common denominator Mm Hmm. yeah the snake in the grass you can't and sometimes you find things out you learn best through experience and it's hurtful because it's like why do you want to go nobody wants to go through all that pain but experience is the best teacher and ever since that happened in 2019 the lord started removing people removing people removing people out of my life and um it's made me wiser and it's made me better not saying i'm gonna get it right every single time but now that i know more about myself now that the lord has revealed so much to me about myself i can be sober and i can be vigilant i can watch and pray you know so that's all i wanted to say today beware the snakes in the grass <laughs> beware the snakes in your grass everybody has snakes in their particular grass your snakes might be black mambas your somebody else's snakes might be um cobras somebody else's snakes might be a garden snake it doesn't matter you got snakes in your grass you got snakes in your grass beware of the snakes in your grass the only way you're going to be aware of the snakes in the grass is if you stick with jesus and you stay in your word and you try every spirit whether it be a god whether it be of the devil you try every spirit by the word of god the word of god is your sword of the spirit it's a two-edged sword piercing to the very marrow. It's a trial of the hearts. It discerns. When you have the word of God in you, 
that thing will rise up so fast when somebody uh-uh <laughs> that ain't right that ain't right that goes against this this right here da 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 because it is written that's how jesus fought the enemy it is written man shall not live by bread alone it is written thou shalt not tempt the lord our god it is written i mean the word of god is a sword and shield okay so well, the Lord, the Lord, our God is a sword and shield. The word of God is our sword. It's the sword of the spirit. All right. So that's all I have for y'all today. And yeah, I went real long this time because I was so short last time. <laughs> but anyway, I hope y'all have a great rest of your week and beware the snakes in your grass. Talk to you later.